So I've been, uh, I've done a couple of weeks talking about rediscovering the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first week we looked at why it was really important that we have that power and what it's for. And that Jesus said, you shouldn't actually do anything without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things is that over the years we've, We've often, you know, the church generally has tried to do church without the Holy Spirit. And we've tried to run our lives pretty much in the flesh instead of in the Spirit. And so what I I then went on and looked at is Jesus as kind of a model of how we're supposed to walk with God. And that his relationship with the Father. And that he only did what he saw the Father doing and then he only said what he heard the father say. And from that, what we then did is we, I'm just doing a quick refresher, we then looked at how we relate to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I would have liked to say more on that, but I actually feel that that in terms of um, our relationship with the Holy Spirit and the depth of that, I actually want to preach that in detail uh, sometime early in the next year. So I want to go on in that because God's been showing me some more stuff around there. But what I want to do today is to, to move on from that. About, because what I talked about is how we relate to the Holy Spirit as a person, not as an it or the force be with you, but as a, as, as a real person who, who feels things, who hurts, who uh, gets upset with things, who is grieved, he feels pain, but he feels joy and he feels happiness and he feels excitement as well. And how the, our walk with God is to be in conjunction with how the Holy Spirit feels, to understand how he's feeling in the same way as he understands how we're feeling. And so I want to take it a a step further this morning, and I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in prayer. So next week, which is the last in this series, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit in evangelism. But I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit in prayer today. And let me say this right up front, because... We all have different ideas about what prayer looks like and what, it, what it's for. At its fundamental core, prayer is for one thing. It is about relationship with God. And the walk of prayer is a walk of relationship with God. And so when we think of prayer, we shouldn't think, well, I need to put aside five minutes a day because I've got my list and I need to get through it. Or I'm feeling down today, I think I'll talk to God. It, it's, it's about a developing relationship that is, is very real. And here's some of the things I've discovered over the years. If you try prayer without relationship, you will dry up. You know, people go around and say, well, it seems, my, my prayer times have seemed so dry and my Bible study, it's so dry. It's because we're not connecting to that relationship aspect. That's why prayer, and, and, and sometimes reading out the word, feels so dry. And without relationship, prayer is hard. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure some of us, you know, I, I've, I've felt at various times, like, this is just hard work. Oh, you know, I wish I didn't have to pray so much, but I'm the pastor. You know, <laughs> it, it's kind of like that, but... Prayer without relationship is hard work. And without relationship, and and I mean this when I say it, prayer is just religion. Full stop. Prayer without relationship is religion. 
So you don't want to be getting into that sort of stuff because Jesus did away with that 2,000 years ago. So we need to, to think about prayer as relationship. Here's the second thing I want to say. Prayer is not getting things from God. Getting things from God and being blessed by God is a result of his nature because he's a good God and he wants to bless us. And prayer is not about getting things from him. We already have all we need for life and godliness. We just need to receive it by faith. So prayer isn't about getting things by God. So let me give you a little, little definition. I, I, think, I think I might have put it up on the slide, but here, here we go. Prayer is getting into perfect communion with God. I tell him what I know he knows in order that I may get to know it as he does. To get his wisdom, his insight and his breadth. You see, sometimes we go, well, why should I talk to God? Why should I pray? Because he already knows. He already knows what's going on in my life. He's that omniscient bloke and he understands everything, knows everything. He, he already knows it before I ask him, so why do I bother? Well, Prayer isn't primarily about you telling God about what's going on in your life. Prayer is about getting God's perspective on what is going on in your life. And, and understanding how he sees it, how he sees what's going on in, in the body of the church, in your midweek groups, in your relationships at work. Understanding his perspective and then praying from that perspective as part of a real live relationship. And, and, and I realize kind of this, this sometimes for some of us, it's kind of a big leap to think like this. I, I remember when I, God first started talking to me about it years ago. Um, and, you know, I, I used, to, he used to say things to me. And then I used to ring Joyce up and ask her things. And this is years ago, like when I was still in business working and she'd get like phone calls from me sat in my car asking a question and whatever. But, Here's the thing, prayer is about perspective, and it's his perspective that we're after, not ours, because we know our perspective, don't we? We know how difficult things look, or how easy things look, or what we could do, or our plans, and our ideas, and our strategies, and our ways of solving things. We already know all that. All of that is what got us to where we are at any one moment in time. So it'd be kind of good to have a different perspective on it, wouldn't it? Yeah. You see, when I, when I look at Olive, I get a, very, a, 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 a perspective that nobody else in this room currently has. Because most of you are looking at the back of Olive's head. You can't tell whether she's smiling, sticking her tongue out at me, crying, going like, what's he doing? Going red, not going red. You can't tell, but I can. And... Prayer is about getting God's perspective on things, seeing it from the angle he sees things. So perspective about what? Well, firstly, perspective in terms of insight. What I mean by that is, what is God's heart towards what you're talking to him about? What's God's heart towards the problems that you see? What's, what's God's heart towards the, 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 the things that are happening in your life, good or bad? You know, how does he feel about it? And then, what does he want to do about it? I don't know if you, you think about that. Like, God is actually 
wanting to do things about what is going on in your life. And because he's God, he sees it from a perspective that can solve the problems, but also make the good times even more enjoyable and even more fun and even more fruitful. So we want perspective in terms of insight. We want an, a, a perspective also in terms of moving beyond our flesh response to things. I believe that the biggest problem we have in Christianity, uh, as, as we experience it in the West, I, d I can't talk about other parts of the world, but as we experience it in the West, the biggest problem we have is our absolute insistence on doing most of it in our flesh. And, and trying to live from just our own reasoning, our own thinking, our own way of doing things, our own plans, our own ideas, our own solutions, our own advice. And failing that, we'll get somebody else's advice and somebody else's plans and somebody else's solutions. And then, right at the end, when nothing's working, we go to God. And we have this insistence on doing church by the flesh. And sadly, we can achieve a lot of things in church life without any input from the Holy Spirit or God whatsoever. And that, that's sad because Jesus said, don't do church without the Holy Spirit. That was, the, that was the big thing. Like, guys, wait. Wait till you get the Holy Spirit because he's going to show you what you should be doing. And he's going to show you the things that I told you about. And he's going to talk to you about it. And he's going to reveal, take the things that are mine and reveal them to you so that you can live it. And yet we, we have this approach of, of living it from the flesh. And so the third perspective is in terms of not looking at things in, from a situation or the circumstance. It's really easy for us, isn't it, to, to just see that problem or that issue or that relationship that, that, that we're struggling with right in front of us like that and not be able to see past it. And... We don't want to live our lives from the pressure of that being there. And so we need to get a different perspective that moves us outside of that so that we can understand the dynamics that are going on. Because those dynamics aren't just physical, they're spiritual as well. And we want to understand the spiritual dynamics that are impacting our, 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 our situations, our circumstances, our relationships, our family life and all the rest of it. The fourth perspective is this. We want God's perspective in terms of authority. You know, Jesus, I think, commends two people in all of his ministry for having great faith. And, and what's interesting, I, 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 I haven't checked this out this morning, but, so I'm talking off the top of my head, but I, th I think neither of them are actually Jews. And what, the one I'm thinking about right at the moment is the centurion. And the centurion, he comes to God, uh, sorry, he comes to Jesus, same thing, comes to Jesus, and he, he wants his servant healed. And he says something, Jesus says, okay, like, we, we'll go heal your servant. And, and he says, no, no, it's okay, you just have to give the word and he'll be healed. Because I'm a man under authority and I understand how authority works. But interestingly, this is what he says, and uh, this is what fascinates me. He says, like you, I am a man under authority. Yeah. And he recognizes, and that's why Jesus says, this guy has great faith. 
Not because he's, he's got massive faith, he's got great understanding of the way faith works. You see, you only need faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. It's not about size, it's about understanding and endurance. And in this guy's case, the centurion's case, he's saying, you've got great understanding of how faith works. You're right, it works on the basis of authority. That, that we, as, as believers on this earth, we operate under the authority that Jesus gave us. And therefore, it's really important that we do the things that he gives us to do and say the things he gives us to say. So we need to know what they are. And the only way we can find out what they are is in prayer. You know, we can't just stand here and, and, and minister and make them up. That doesn't do anybody any good. It might be like encouraging to say nice things but if it's not God it's not going to bear the right fruit so we need to know what he's saying and what he wants us to do and so the fifth thing is perspective in terms of God's heart of love and compassion often you read in the Bible about how uh, Jesus he flowed with compassion or his heart was moved by compassion and he healed them and I want to understand God's heart from a perspective of love. Why do I want to do that? Well, here's the thing. He wants me and he wants you to look like Jesus. And the only way we're going to look like Jesus is to connect with the love he's placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so... In that perspective, we want to do things, not just the way that God's told us to say that or God's told us to do that. We have to take it a step further because the way we deliver that, what he's told us to do or the way we deliver what he's told us to say needs to come from his heart and be wrapped in love. Because you can say something that is absolute truth be 100% right and destroy somebody's life by the way you deliver it. So we not only want to know what he wants us to say or wants us to do, but we want to do it from love and for that other person to feel loved. You know, often when, when we're teaching about how to minister and how to pray for healing, one of the things I'll say is that the most important thing, now hear this, the most important thing is not that the person gets healed. It is important they get healed and we believe for them to get healed and they do get healed. But the most important thing in any ministry or anything we do towards another person is that they feel loved. Because love is the most powerful force on earth. And that's why we want that perspective. And if we want good fruit, lasting fruit, enduring fruit, fruit that comes... Uh, and stays, then it's got to come from our heart being right. And in prayer, the Holy Spirit shapes our heart. See, in that relationship context, the most important thing from the Holy Spirit's perspective is his work in our heart to shape it to look like Jesus. Because he knows that Jesus has already paid for everything, he's already done everything, and, and we can minister that, and we've got the power we need. He already knows all that. 
what's really important for him is that we look like Jesus. So prayer is about relationship with God, but it's also about a shaping of our hearts within that context of relationship. So they're the two big things. So when we talk about rediscovering the power of the Spirit, often we want the big fireworks, the big bounds, the, the dynamis power, and bam, everybody's healed, and all that sort of stuff. And we've all seen stuff like that. But I struggle to see that in the way Jesus ministered. What I see in the way Jesus ministered is he heard what the Father told him to do, he did it out of love, and it happened. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot for us to learn there. Now, here's the thing. We, we've got used to thinking of our Christian walk in terms of church and meetings. And this that I'm talking about works in the 110 hours a week when we're not asleep and not at church. Because that's where the kingdom comes. The kingdom is already here. But if it's to come anywhere else except here, it needs to be in the rest of the week. And so that's when we, we need this understanding and this real relationship with the Holy Spirit to be able to know how to respond to everything that's going around us in those 110 hours. Are, are you with me? Now... Let me just take a step back at this point, because that, that, I've, I've looked, talked about perspective, but let me take a te- step back. What's God's perspective about what we're here for? What, why are we on earth and not in heaven? Why didn't you just like give your life to Christ and like, you know, instantaneously go and disappear, drop dead, body gone, up in heaven? Because God intends for us to represent him on earth. And he's intending that from the beginning. So, um, you know, really well-known passage, Genesis 1, verse 26, 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. There's so much I could say about that. First thing I'll say, because it's a bit of inside, is God created male and female in his image. I'll just let you think about that. There's no distinction, there's no separation, there's no one better than the other. God created male and female in his image to jointly exercise dominion on the earth. Jesus came to restore all that Adam lost. If that was the situation, I've gone off now. If that was the situation for Adam, and Jesus came to take back and restore what Adam lost, then that seems to me a final thing and a final understanding that says women and men are meant to exercise co-dominion on the earth on behalf of God, there's no distinction over the two and there's no ruling over one by the other. Ministry is for men and <coughs> women equally. I'll just throw that in. What I can't understand is why that is still a live issue. 
I just don't get it, but that, that's it. And I think we, we'd be in a pretty sorry state in the church, really, if it wasn't for some of the, the mighty women that God has raised up. I think, there'd be a, I think there'd be hundreds of thousands of women struggling without the ministry of Joyce Meyer. I, I really do. Anyway, I've gone off on one. <laughs> but if you've been around me, you know I, I feel quite strongly about that. So, what happens? Adam loses that authority. Adam loses that right of dominion. Because instead of following God, he follows what the enemy tells him. He follows what Satan says. So he loses it. Satan gets authority. He gets, you know, he gets dominion and rule on the earth. And we know that because uh, Jesus, he takes Jesus up to the top of a mountain and says, you can have all these kingdoms if you'll bow down to me. And Jesus doesn't question whether he can actually give him the kingdoms. Jesus actually says, you won't have any other God but, but God. But the... Satan actually has power on the earth. However, at the cross, he was finally defeated. And that authority that Adam had was taken back and now rests with Jesus. And Jesus said this, all authority on earth and heaven and under the earth has been given to me, now you go. So we have that authority delegated to us by Jesus. And that takes me to this point. We are supposed to use that authority like Jesus himself would use authority, that authority. So we need to understand what he wants us to do, what he wants us to say, what his perspective on things are, what his plans are, what his strategies are, and then follow through on using that authority that he has given us to do those things. See, Christianity is simple if we will get this stuff. Prayer is straightforward if we would get this stuff. And it would be a whole lot more fun if it was like, you know, I, I, go to, I go to prayer now and I'm gone for two hours and it feels like five minutes. Because God's talking to me. Like God that created the universe talking to me, how cool is that? And this is the thing I always get. I always get how much he loves us. Why? Because he is love. And so, as a result of Jesus' victory, when we put our faith in him, we're born again and we're given a new spirit. Now, let me, let me just look at this verse. It's 1 John 4, and I'm going to start at verse 7. I'm going to go through to 9. Now, I'm going from the Amplified. Um, the Amplified, you see, that's my normal Bible. That's my Amplified Bible. There's a difference. The Amplified, like, expands what the, the, the words, the Greek words or the Hebrew words or the Chaldean words or whatever language it was written in says. And uh, so John 1, sorry, 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, the body, for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God. Just stop a minute there. Think about that. What he's saying is if you properly and really want to love, not fake love, real love, if you really want to love, you cannot do that properly without God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows and knows God. 
Again, only by knowing God can you love in the way he regards love and the way he thinks about love. You've got to know him. He does not love agape, that's God's word for love, does not know God, for God is love. So if we're doing stuff and it's and, and we're harsh and we're judgmental and, and we're critical and we're mourning and, and we're unforgiving and we're bitter and all that sort of stuff, what this is telling us is you don't know God. Because if you really knew God, you wouldn't be doing that. So the antidote to that is to get in prayer and get to know God, to get into that relationship. In this, the love of God has manifested towards us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's sacrifice, substitute sacrifice for our sins, payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to what? Love one another. Remember, what I'm saying is that Prayer is about shaping our hearts and it's about getting his perspective so that we can operate from love. Because when we talk about rediscovering the power of the Spirit, the most powerful aspect of the Holy Spirit you can rediscover is the love. It's not the miracle working power, it's the love. You know, Jesus comes along in John uh, 13, 35, he says... um, Well, you probably know it because I use it a lot. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. If you do miracles. No, I know some pretty high-profile people who've done miracles and uh, they're kind of a bit of an embarrassment to the kingdom now. You know? By this will all men know you're my disciples if you've got really good doctrine. No. By this will all men know that you're my disciples because you came to church this Sunday on time. Okay, no comment. (laughs) By this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. You see, we put a lot of weight on a lot of things that God isn't prioritizing as number one. What he's prioritizing as number one is that we love each other. Why? Because it's not only important for us to love each other, but it's important for those who don't yet know him that they see us loving each other. Yeah. And, and, and so it's so easy for us to think about building an organization or building a ministry or building this and building that and doing church. The most important thing is we love each other. Because the person out there who has never met Jesus... That's what he's looking at. He's looking at, do the people who say they follow Jesus love like Jesus did? And when we don't, they say, I don't want anything to do with that. Because you're telling me that you follow Jesus and yet you're nothing like Jesus. And so it's really important that we engage in prayer in order to let the Holy Spirit shape our hearts so that love is what comes out. Are you you still with me? Now, 
if we, if we get ourselves in that position, when we get his insight, when we get his perspective, when we know things as he knows it, then when we pray, things change. Just think about that. When we pray, things change. When we know it as he knows it. Well, I thought it was just faith. Faith needs a direction and faith needs something to believe and get hold of. You, you cannot operate in faith abstract from relationship with God. Why? Because, let me, let me make this really simple. When somebody promises you something, you don't believe the promise because they've made a promise. You believe the promise because you believe in the promisor. So if we're going to operate in faith and see this, see the revival that we believe for, for this, this, this city and this nation, we're going to have to operate in a faith that based on the promise saw, our trust in him. And the only way we can really trust him is to get to know him more. And, and in, we, we, as we get to know him, how do we do that? We get to know him through the word and through prayer. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us both through both the word and in our prayer time. And when we know him, when we trust him, when we believe him, then things change when we pray. No, no doubt, absolutely no doubt. Things change. Go with me to James 5, uh, 16. Again, really known, well-known passage. Get me a big Bible out. You see... When you've got lots of Bibles, people know you're a proper pastor. <laughs> James 5.16. Uh, I'm just going to the end of the verse. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Um. Some of you will remember that as in, in an old version, or the older versions, it says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It's kind of not a great translation because it makes you get this idea that in order to have effective prayer, it's got to be noisy and out there and shouty and all the rest of it. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is that our language has changed in 400 years. And what it's saying is effective prayer Prayer comes from your heart. Now, we want to be effective in prayer, don't we? Because we only have a limited amount of time, and we do, as great as prayer can be, we do not want to waste our time doing a load of stuff that is ineffective. We want effective prayer, don't you? I mean, like, what's the point of just like going for hours and it not doing anything? We want effective prayer. So if we want effective prayer, it's got to be heartfelt. It's got to come from our heart. That's why effective prayer is grounded in relationship. When we pray in our desire to be effective, the first thing I want to know whenever I pray for anything is, have I heard from heaven on this? And I, I can guarantee you, when... I am certain I have heard from heaven there is much more power manifested. 
the, 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 the level of uh, results in healing prayer, if you want to get it down to results and numbers, changes significantly. The, the effect, you, you know, you, you can say something and it have no effect and you can say it when you're certain and it can actually change a person's life. And it can be just the same words. But because you have that certainty that you've heard from heaven, there's faith attached to it and a dynamic, miraculous power gets released. Effective prayer is the way we exercise dominion as men and women made in God's image, born again into his likeness. Effective prayer is the way we exercise that dominion, like Adam's original assignment. And when the Spirit leads us to exercise our authority and dominion, then the exercise of that authority is love. We exercise dominion through love. The only thing that counts, Paul says in Galatians, is faith working through love. We exercise our dominion and our authority through love. And so, you see, when a man exercises dominion by love, it's incredible, as opposed to just being dominating, which is not incredible. You see, if you set, if I, how can I put it? If I set out in my prayer and the way I relate to you and the way I care for you and the way um, I speak into your life and I set out to do that from my heart that says, I want the best for you that you can have in life. And you set out towards me, praying for me, speaking into my life with the attitude, I want the best for you in life, that is incredibly powerful. You see, we can't just pray in a vacuum. We don't just pray in relationship with God. We pray and we we minister to each other in relationship with each other. And and that it, it's when that dominion on earth is exercised by our loving each other that it's immensely powerful. And and that's what really changes cities, nations, neighborhoods, lives, bodies, all the rest of it. And that's why God wants us each day to have a connection with him. To, uh, for our every thought, plan, action to have been shared with him. Jesus co- talks about the Holy Spirit a lot. And he says it, the, this Holy Spirit is going to come, calls him the paraclete. You know, the the one who gets alongside, the advocate, the advisor, the counsellor, the comforter. Lots of different translations of the same word. Lots of different aspects of the same word. But one of the things that Paul keeps saying, and Jesus uh, sort of sets it up for, 
is that we would be co-laborers with the Holy Spirit. We would partner with the Holy Spirit. We would share in the Holy Spirit's work. And so when we are filled with him and when we're hearing him, he does the work through us. That's partnering and co-laboring with him. And this is the exciting bit for me. That's how the Bible says that the, the whole earth ends up getting filled with his glory. Through people hearing his voice, being filled with the Spirit, and co-laboring with him, doing the works that he's told, set out for them to do. Now, before I finish, I just want to clear something up. Because what I'm talking about, and we don't like this word, but it's a real word, it's a Bible word, it's called <laughs> obedience. And we don't like that word. And here's, here's the thing, we don't like that word because we've mistaught that word for decades, thousands, hundreds of years. And we've made obedience all about some sort of dominating master with a whole set of rules we've got to try and follow, and we're always failing. Because we never do enough, never manage enough, never, never achieve enough, never give enough, never sing out loud enough, what, all, the, all the things. We never do enough. And, and yet we know this word obedience. So... When we, when we don't like that, we swing right over the other side and say, oh, it's all right, Jesus died for me, I'm covered by grace, it's okay. Let me be really clear. Jesus died for all your sins, he paid for the price for everything. There's absolutely nothing you can do to save yourself, earn God's favour, and nor is it on a continuing basis anything you can do other than just receive what Jesus has already done for you. Now, that's confusing to most people. That's why we get rid of this word obedience. Are you still with me? Yeah? Because this is kind of really important. And how many of you know you should be obedient to God? How many of you like that concept? Do you like get up every morning and go, oh, God's going to tell me what to do today. It's going to be great. <laughs> I've got to be obedient to God, and it's so exciting. They're not kind of words that we all fit together most of the time, because we, we, we have this picture of obedience. What we need is obedience in the way Jesus talked about it and the way Paul talked about it, as the Holy Spirit showed it to them. I'm going to tell you what obedience is for a new covenant believer. People this side of the cross, like me and you and everybody else, that don't live under that old covenant. Obedience is obedience to the Spirit. Let me read it in Paul's amplified words. One jo uh, sorry, not Paul's. This is John's. No, Paul's. 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 Sorry, I've lost my track. See, if I didn't go off my notes, I wouldn't have them problems, would I? So let me just go back. We're talking about obedience. In prayer, we find out what he wants. And in prayer, we exercise his authority given to us under his direction. 
That's obedience. Paul puts it this, Romans 7, 6. But now we are discharged from the law. Just say that. You are discharged from the law. So what does that mean about all those rules? All 613 rules, sacrifices, all that sort of stuff, but all 613 elements of the law, what's happened to it? Right, you've been discharged from it. Jesus made that obsolete. Here's, here's the point. We are meant to live under a better covenant. We are meant to now be able to live by the Spirit in a way that man could never live by the flesh in following rules. So here's, here's how living by the Spirit works. We have terminated, discharged from the law, terminated all intercourse with it. For law, just read religion. Just read guilt, failure, condemnation. That you've never done enough. You're never good enough. And by the way, if you come back next week and you think you've had a good week, I'll knock it out of you. You'll be repenting on the floor by the end of the meeting. That's religion. And that's what Paul is saying you don't have to deal with anymore. That's done. So what is it we do? Terminate all intercourse with it. Why? You've died to what's restrained you and held you captive. The law was designed to hold you captive until something better came along. And that better is Jesus, and that better is the Holy Spirit living in your heart. So now, now we serve, that's us, that's you, not under obedience to an old code of written regulations. You just want to read that again. Not under obedience to an old code of written regulations. This is how we serve. But under obedience to the promptings of the Spirit in newness of life. The letter kills, the Spirit gives life. We, we live free because we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And obedience is... God captures my heart when I spend time with him, praying with him in his presence, and I want to do what he wants me to do. Yeah. And when I do what he wants me to do, he changes lives, heals bodies, delivers people, sets people free, breaks bondages, and changes nations. And if we get this, if we could get this as the body of Christ, it would absolutely revolutionize our nation. We wouldn't be bothering about Brexit. We'd all be out of here going, saving the rest of the world because England would be saved. We'd all be Brexiting. So we're on this, this incredible journey from the heart of God. And he's prompting us. He's going, will you love like I love? Will you love people like I do? Will you go where they are? Will you meet them where they are? Will you get down where you can find them? Will you reach people with my heart of love? And then he's going to say, and when you say yes to that, he's going to say, well, here's what we're going to do. That thing is bothering you. That thing you're praying about, that thing you've just been telling me about, 
here's how we're going to sort it. Here's what you're going to do, and here's what you're going to say when you get there. And when you do that, that thing you've just been praying about, it's going to change. This is incredibly powerful. Our walking in obedience is according to the promptings of the Spirit. Where do we get those? We get those in prayer. What is prayer? Relationship. This is why, and I'm going to finish with this, because this is, this is where we end up. If we, if we invest in relationship instead of invested in quantity of words in our prayer times, and instead of invested in our lists, yeah. this is where we end up. I'll do it from the Amplified. This is John this time. One John five fourteen, and this is the confidence, the assurance, and the privilege of boldness, which we have in Him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request, according to His will. What he's shown us in our prayer times by the promptings of his spirit, what he's shown us in his word, what he's shared with us from his heart in relationship, if we ask anything, make any request to come to his will in agreement with his plans, his ideas, his strategies, and his whispered things that he's placed in your heart so that you can love the world, then he listens and he hears us. And if, since we positively know, how many of us want to positively know that when we pray, God hears it? Yeah? Like, none of that, like, oh, I wonder if, it, I wonder if it's going to work. I wonder if it's going to work. I wonder if it's going to work. Forget it. This is like, this is amazing stuff. This is how the New Testament believers lived. They lived from the Spirit, not the flesh. And when we live from the Spirit, we positively, absolutely, 100% know that God is listening to us in whatever we ask. And we also know, we settled an absolute knowledge that we have granted to us as our present possession the requests we make of him. Here's the thing. Investing in prayer as a relationship will produce a faith of absolute certainty. Whenever you pray, you will know that you have what you ask. Not just because that's a formula that we repeat and we confess with our mouths and all that, but you know, in your knower, in your heart, you have what you asked with absolute certainty. It's called faith. Faith is produced from communion with the Spirit yeah. in relationship. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Probably not. It's on the tape. <laughs> Faith is produced from communion with God in the Spirit in relationship. Faith is absolute certainty that you have what you ask.
You want to get that sort of faith? Yeah. Spend time with God. Yeah. That isn't a shortcut. If you do it, God will just melt your heart. The Holy Spirit will move you with his emotions. Lives will change. Here's more to the point. Next Wednesday lunchtime at 12.03pm, you will know exactly what you're meant to do. And 12.05pm, and 12.07pm, and all the rest. Because we live for him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. Amen? Let's stand. Worship team, can I have the worship team back? <coughs> Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you are such an amazing God. Yeah. I want to thank you that Jesus turned it round when he said, you're no longer servants because they don't know what I'm about. They don't know what I'm doing. They don't know what I'm planning. But you're friends. And with friends, I share my secrets. I share my mysteries. I share my heart. And Lord, I thank you that you have made us friends. But also, Lord, I thank you that you've made us sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of yours who not only are able to hear your heart, but are born again of your heart. Lord, help us to be lovers of you, lovers of each other, and lovers of your ways. Thank you, Lord. Amen.